Well, friends, good morning. It's good to be with you. For those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Trevor Kane. I'm the new assistant here in First Port of Down. Uh, it's good to be together this morning. It's good to be sharing God's word together. If you have a Bible uh, open in front of you, I encourage you to have it open at Galatians chapter 5. Uh, I'm going to think about these verses that were read to us just a few moments ago. Galatians chapter 5 and verses 16 through 21. Galatians 5, 16 through 21. And again, I encourage you to have it open in front of you so that we can see what God is saying to us together through his word. So that we can see what God wants us to hear this morning. Galatians 5, 16 through 21. Everyone loves a good feud story, don't they? It's central to so much of literature. You think of uh, the Montagues and the Capulets in Romeo and Juliet. You think recently in the Twilight series of Team Edward and Team Jacob. You think of the Sharks and the Jets. But it's not just literature that's obsessed with the idea of a feud. Of course, it occurs in the sporting world as well. You think of John McEnroe versus Bjorn Borg, the rivalry that existed there, the feud that existed there. You think of Man United and Arsenal in the late 1990s and the feud that existed between Sir Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger. But the thing about a feud is that it forces you to choose a side. It forces you to choose who you will follow. Are you Team Edward or Team Jacob? Are you the ultra-edgy, competitive John McEnroe? Are you, do you side with the, the cool, slick Bjorn Borg? It forces you to choose. And Paul, writing this letter to a group of Christians in Galatia, Paul, writing this letter to the church in Galatia, writes to remind them that there's a war going on within each one of them. He writes to remind them that there's a feud going on inside each of their hearts. There's a feud between the flesh and the spirit. This war rages between the, the flesh and the spirit. This battle rages within them between the flesh and the spirit. And Paul, writing this letter to this group of Christians, encourages them to choose to follow the spirit, to choose to walk in the spirit, to not gratify the desires of the flesh, but instead to walk in the spirit. To not follow the old way of doing things. To not follow their old pattern of life. But instead to embrace the freedom that is theirs in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to think about three things this morning. And see three things together this morning from Galatians 5. Firstly, we want to think about the war that rages within us. We want to see what's uh, happening in this war that rages within each one of us. Secondly, we want to think about the wonderful freedom in the Spirit. We want to see how uh, if we are in the Spirit, then we are free indeed. And then thirdly and finally, we want to think about the warning that Paul gives to these group of Christians. We want to think about the, the warning against the works of the flesh that can ensnare us. The war that rages within us. The wonderful freedom that is ours in the Spirit. And the works of the flesh that can so easily ensnare us. So we think firstly then about the war that rages within us, the war that rages within us. And we can see that in verses 16 and 17, just these two verses, 16 and 17. And as we come to verse 16, we notice immediately that it connects us back to what's gone before. We notice that it connects us back to what Paul has said in verse 15. We see verse 16, what does Paul say? But I say, 
Now that immediately takes us back to what Paul has just finished saying, doesn't it? Last time we were in in Galatians 5 uh, with Robin, we thought about uh, up until verse 15, we thought about that instruction in verse 15 that Paul says, look, if you bite and devour one another, be careful that you are not consumed by one another. For you were called, verse 13, to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. So that's the context of what we read here in verse 16 then, when Paul says, but I say. This is the contrast to what he's just said in verse 15. Watch out that you don't devour one another. Watch out that you don't bite one another. But I say, here's the alternative. Here's the different way of living. Here's the the, the other side of the coin, if you like. Here's how not to bite and devour one another. But instead, what does he say? Well, verse 16, walk by the Spirit. He offers an alternative to devouring one another. He offers an alternative to to biting one another. And that alternative that he offers is keeping in step with the Spirit, is walking by the Spirit. Paul says, do this, walk by the Spirit, and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Biting one another, devouring one another, that's the works of the flesh consuming one another. That's the works of the flesh. Parading their righteousness before one another. Being proud and boastful and arrogant of their law keeping. That's the works of the flesh. And Paul says, rather than that, keep in step with the Spirit. Rather than that way of living, walk by the Spirit. And you won't do that. Walk by the Spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. We need to read this in context. And again, we need to to keep in mind everything that we've thought about in Galatians so far. Look at verse 13 of chapter 5 with me. What does Paul say? For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Look, brothers, you've been called to freedom. Look, the gospel has set you free. Look, Jesus Christ has freed you. And anticipating the, 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 the criticism that some would make, anticipating the, 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 the lengths that some people would take it to, Paul says, but rather, look, you've been set free, yes. But don't use your freedom. Don't abuse your freedom. Don't allow your freedom to become an opportunity for the flesh. Verse 15, here's what it looks like. Here's fleshly works in action, if you like. Biting one another, devouring one another. But instead, verse 16, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Don't abuse your freedom. Don't allow the fact that you're free in Christ to to, to let you live any way you want. Don't make excuses for your sinning. Don't use it as a chance to gratify the flesh, but rather walk in the Spirit. But that then leads us perhaps to the question of, well, why? Paul has spent this entire letter arguing that the Galatians are free. Paul has spent this entire letter arguing that the Galatians are redeemed or made right with God through faith alone, in Christ alone. Paul has spent this entire letter arguing against the Judaizers who came in afterwards and said that the Galatians were were required to keep the law of God, to make themselves right with God. So now here, in a sense, is he flipping the tables? 
Now here in a sense is he saying to them, well look, you are free, yes, but there are limits. You are free, yes, but here are the rules that I lay down. Uh, not the rules that the Judaizers lay down, but the rules that I lay down. How can he here extol them not to sin when he spent the entire letter telling them that they are free? Well, we get part of the answer in, in, in verse 17. Because their desires in this new life, this, their desires in this new way of living that they've come to is not to gratify the desires of the flesh, is not to gratify their own sinful desires, but their desire in this new way of life is to please Christ and to please God. Their new desire in this way of life is to live lives that are honouring to God. And that's kind of what Paul picks up on in verse 17, isn't it? The desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to one another. Gratifying the desires of the flesh was how they used to live. That was the way they used to do things. And Paul then writing, reminding them of their new life in Christ says, well actually, don't do that anymore. Walk in the spirit. And actually, the things of the Spirit and the things of the flesh are contradictory to one another, that they're mutually exclusive to one another. Their goal is no longer to gratify their sinful desires, but their goal is to please Christ. Their way of life is no longer to gratify the desires of the flesh, but their way of life is now to glorify God. The image that comes to my mind here, the image that, that came to my mind as I was preparing this sermon was the image of a magnet. You know, if you get a, a two magnets and you put the two opposite ends together, they'll, they'll pull together, no problem at all. But if you get the two same poles of the magnet and try and bring them together, no matter how hard you push, no matter how hard you try, you can never make those two same poles of a magnet join together. They're mutually exclusive. They don't belong together and they simply won't go together. You can't gratify, Paul says here, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit at the same time. It just can't be done. The two are mutually exclusive to one another. You can't gratify the desires of the spirit and the desires of the flesh at the same time. Now why is that? Paul doesn't give us the answer here, but why is that? Why can't you gratify the desires of the flesh and the spirit at the same time? Well, that's where... Our Bible helps us out, and that's where reading the Bible as a whole helps us out. Because, you see, we're reminded in the Bible that ever since the Garden of Eden, never since Adam and Eve uh, made that decision to eat the fruit of the tree of God, which God commanded them not to eat, ever since that moment in time, humanity has been born with a bent away from God. The desires of our flesh, our natural desires, are against God and against the Spirit. In our natural desires, we have no thought for God. In our natural desires, we have no time for the things of God. We're born with that natural bent bias away from God. We're born alienated from God, cut off from God. And so the desires of our flesh, the desires of our nature will always be contrary to the things of God and the desires of the Spirit. And so that's why Paul here reminds these believers in Galatia and he reminds us today that the desires of the Spirit will always be against the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh will always be against the desires of the Spirit. 
And you see, friends, that's the war that rages within each one of us this morning. That's the battle that's going on in each one of our hearts this morning. Despite the fact that in Jesus Christ we are a new creation, despite the fact that in Jesus Christ the old has gone and the new has come, there's still that battle within us. There's still that remaining sin in each of us. There's still that desire within each one of us to to turn away from the things of God and to do our own thing, to run our own life our own way. The flesh is still within us with all of its desires. Now it's true, sometimes we may progress further. Sometimes we may succeed greatly in putting sin to death. Sometimes we may succeed greatly in turning our lives around, if you like. But every true Christian knows that, that battle. Every true Christian knows that pain of indwelling sin, of the old Adam that still lives in each one of us. Every true follower of Christ knows the reality of the conflict that rages within each one of us. Well, that all sounds a bit negative, doesn't it? It all sounds a bit kind of heavy, for want of a better term. It all sounds a bit judgmental. But friends, the reality is that we need to know that we're in a war. We need to live like we're in a war. Peter reminds us in his letter that our enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion. He reminds us in his letter that our enemy, the devil, is seeking those whom he might devour. And if we don't know the reality of that, if we don't know the reality that we're in a war, if we don't live with the reality that we're in a war, And the danger is that we become easy prey. The danger is that we become very complacent. But how do we avoid that? How do we fight this war? Well, that's where we come back to what Paul told us in verse 16. How do we fight the war? We keep in step by the Spirit. We walk by the Spirit. Which maybe leads us on to another question then where we think, well, how do I do that? If that's how I fight the war, if walking in the Spirit's how I fight the war, then how do I walk in the Spirit? Quite simply, we use the means that God has given us. We use the the fellowship of the saints. We encourage one another as we come together. Admittedly, it's been somewhat more difficult in recent times, but we encourage one another perhaps as we text. As we call, as we email, we encourage one another. We spur one another on towards love and good deeds. We use the means of daily Bible reading and prayer to keep us in step with the Spirit and with the things of God. We use the sacraments that God has instituted, the Lord's Supper and Baptism. And again, they spur us on. They encourage us on. Friends, the reality is that there is a war that's going on within each one of us. This this war between the spirit and the flesh. And Paul reminds us here to choose to walk by the spirit, to not gratify the desires of the flesh. But the wonderful truth is that although we engage in this war, that although it rages within each one of us, the truth is, as Paul reminds us, that it's a war that's already been won. Because secondly, he reminds us of the wonderful freedom 
in the Spirit. And we see that in verse 18. Verse 18. So Paul reminds the Galatians, verse 18, that if they're led by the Spirit, then they're not under the law. If they walk in the Spirit as he's encouraged them to do in verse 16, then they're not under the law. Now, what's the context of that? How do we understand that? You know, the danger with any text is that we take it out of its context and then we can make it say something that it never meant to say. The danger is that we take this verse uh, and we make it kind of do away with the law altogether, that we set aside the law altogether. But is that what Paul is getting at here? I don't think so. This letter, we remember, was written to a group of Jewish Christians, of new believers in Christ. They had been evangelized by Paul. But after Paul had left, some people had come in and they told this group of Christians that, okay, faith in Christ is fine, but what you really need to do is keep the law to make yourself right with God. You need to follow all of these extra rules and regulations. And Paul has spent the entirety of his letter saying, no, that in Christ we are free. Now, how does that help us understand verse 18? Well, Paul's saying to these believers, look, if you're led by the Spirit, then you're not under the law. If you are new creations in Jesus Christ, you're not under the law. You're not dependent on the law to make yourselves right with God. You're not dependent on pulling yourself up by your spiritual bootstraps to make yourself right with God. Rather, you are right with God because you walk in the Spirit. It's important for us to remember that, friends. That coming to Jesus Christ is coming to freedom. That the burden that Jesus Christ has is easy and light. Sometimes we assume that coming to Christ is adding burden upon burden upon burden upon people. But actually coming to Christ is coming to freedom. No longer do we need rules and regulations to make ourselves right with God. No longer do we need to pull ourselves up by our spiritual bootstraps to make ourselves right with God. No longer do we need to rely on our own efforts to make ourselves right with God. But rather, we rely on the efforts of Christ. Because walking in the Spirit, there is freedom. Walking in the Spirit, there is forgiveness for sins. Now this doesn't mean that we live any way we want. This doesn't mean that we... The Christian has carte blanche to sin in any way that they feel. But rather they know that when they sin, they have an advocate with the Father. They know that when they sin, that if they come and confess their sins, that God is faithful and just and will forgive them all their sins. The law, if you like, sets a protective hedge around our lives. It guides us and guards us and keeps us safe. We don't rely on the law as a means of making ourselves right with God. But it directs and shapes our lives. Maybe you're tuning in this morning and that's one of the reasons why you don't come to church or one of the reasons why you've never come to Christ because you assume that coming to Christ is following a new set of laws and regulations that, that it's swapping one burden for another. But actually Jesus reminds us that his is not a burden that is hard to take, but his burden is light. This, friends, is the wonderful freedom that the Spirit brings. Freedom from trying to make ourselves right with God. Freedom from trying to keep enough rules and regulations to please God. Freedom in Christ.
thirdly, finally this morning then, we want to think about the works of the flesh that can ensnare us. The works of the flesh that can ensnare us. And we see that in verses 19 through 21. Paul spells out for these believers in Galatia exactly what the works of the flesh are, exactly what they look like. We're going to continue over the next few weeks. We're going to think about the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to think about them individually. But at the moment, if you like, in verse 19, we deal with the negative side, don't we? We deal with the downside. We deal with the works of the flesh. We see those verse 19. What are they? What does Paul say that the works of the flesh are? Now, the works of the flesh, verse 19, are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. What a list. You know, sometimes you might talk to people about the Bible and they might say, well, the Bible is such an outdated book. It has such outdated views on X, Y, and Z. And actually, when you sit down to read it, when you sit down and read passages like this, it reminds us that there's nothing new under the sun. That Paul penned these words some 2,000 years ago, but yet in reality you could pick up a, a copy of the Porter Down Times this week and find exactly the things that Paul is talking about here. You could find exactly the works of the flesh that Paul is talking about here. This list can be broken down into to three kind of broad areas, if you like. We won't dwell on them too much. But firstly, uh, there are the areas of sexual sin, if you like. We see that in uh, verse 19, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. Secondly, then, there are Godward sins, if you like. We see that with sorcery and with idolatry. And then thirdly, finally, there's kind of relational sins, we call them. You know, the... the the sins that exist in relationships between one another, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, those kinds of things that we might call uh, relational sins. But what we need to get out of our head here is the idea that this is an exhaustive list. What Paul was trying to do to the Galatian believers here wasn't to give them a list that they could tick off at the end of each day and say, Phew, well, I didn't commit any of those sins today, so therefore everything's fine. It's a representative list of the sins of the flesh. The works of the flesh. And the danger for us is that we're tempted to read this list in verse 19 through 21. And we're tempted to read it in much the same way. That we're tempted to read it as a, an exhaustive list of the works of the flesh. And that each day as we come, we can kind of mop our brow and say, well... I didn't do any works of the flesh today, therefore everything's fine. But yet remember, friends, remember what the Lord Jesus Christ said in the Sermon on the Mount. Remember how far from taking away the demands of the law, he actually intensified them. You have heard that it was said, but I say to you, Remember some of those intensifications. Remember, uh, it wasn't just the act, act of sexual immorality itself that Jesus condemned, but anyone who looked lustfully on a man or woman in his heart, they had committed the deed. They had defiled themselves. Those whose anger raged even for a moment, those who called their brother a fool. The idolatry that lies at the heart of each one of us this morning. This isn't an exhaustive list of the works of the flesh. And as we read it, perhaps we feel condemned by it. 
Perhaps we feel the danger at the end of verse 21 where Paul says, I warn you now, as I warned you before, that such who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And friends, that's where we are, if we're honest. That's where we are this morning. None of us on our best day will be able to approach God and say, you know what, I deserve your kingdom. None of us will be able to approach God and say, you know what, God, I really, really deserve this. I've earned this. Because we're all guilty concerning the works of the flesh. Rather, when we come, we'll come to God's kingdom and we'll say, I don't deserve this. There's nothing good in me that I should take this. But I come in the righteousness of Christ. I come pleading the death of another. I come looking to him as my saviour. Maybe you're listening this morning and maybe you're struggling with sin. Maybe you're listening this morning and you really lost it with the kids yesterday. You know, that was the four millionth time or what felt like the four millionth time they've asked you what they could have for snack. Maybe in your heart there's those momentary flashes of jealousy when you see people have something that you really want. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, will I ever make it? Will I actually ever get to heaven? Will I make it to the kingdom of God? And maybe verse 21 has really set you on edge. Well, be encouraged, friends. What Paul's talking about here isn't those momentary lapses that we all have until Christ returns. What Paul's talking about here is a settled way of life. It's an attitude of heart that is deeply embedded. If we come and we confess our sins, then God is faithful and just. He will forgive us all our our sins and unrighteousness. There is a war that rages within each one of us. A war between the Spirit and and the flesh. But it's a war that has been won by Christ's death on the cross. His righteousness this morning, if you're trusting in him, is your righteousness. His obedience this morning is your obedience. We need to be aware of the sin that so easily entangles us and so easily entraps us. But we also need to remember that if the Son has set us free, then we are free indeed. Free from the curse of sin, free from the effects of sin, and free to live our life to the glory of God and walking by the Spirit. Amen.